This is Julie D. from NordoniaHills.News. The Cleveland Sports Show starts now. Good afternoon, everyone. Wishing you a happy Saturday from the Cleveland Sports Show. Today with Darius Sethna. We have lots to discuss after a hectic week in sports this week. But let's get you kicked off with our sports fact of the day. And on this day, July 14th, back in 2004... Um, I was only about a year and a half old. The Los Angeles Lakers trade Shaquille O'Neal to the Miami Heat for Karan Butler, Lamar Odom, Brian Grant, and a future first-round draft pick. O'Neal won three consecutive championships with the Lakers, 2000 to 2002, but demanded a trade after losing to the Detroit Pistons in the 2004 Finals because of tensions with the front office, coaching staff, and teammate Kobe Bryant. As a member of the Miami Heat, O'Neal will play on another championship club in 2006 where Dwayne Wade was the finals MVP that year against the Dallas Mavericks. Now this is a great fact, especially with some huge trade news in the NBA from this week. It does not get any better than that and it does not stop either. But before we get into NBA action, let's get you caught up on your soccer news for the week. And in the MLS, Philadelphia still remains atop the Eastern Conference with 10 wins, 6 draws, and 6 losses for a total of 36 points. DC United then come in a close second, 4 points behind Philly. In 21 matches, they have 8 wins, 8 draws, and 5 losses. Atlanta United and the Montreal Impact each tied in the in points, each with 30. Atlanta United is given um, the higher standing, though, due to a higher goal differential. Nine wins, three draws, and seven losses for Atlanta. Nine wins, three draws, ten losses, though, for Montreal. NYFC come in at fifth place in the Eastern Conference with seven wins, eight draws, and two losses on the season for a total of 29 points. It's actually a little bit strange. New York City FC or NYCFC have the least number of losses in the Eastern Conference, but are still in fifth place with 29 points. Now let's get into the Western Conference. LAFC will most likely be the team um, to first reach 50 points this year in the MLS. They are the only team in the entire league who have at least 40 points. In second place is their cross-city rival, the LA Galaxy, with 11 wins, 1 draw, and 8 losses for a total of 34 points. A point behind the Galaxy is Minnesota United with 33 points thanks to 10 wins, 3 draws, and 7 losses. The Seattle Sounders come in 4th place with 9 wins, 5 draws, and 5 losses for a combined 32 points. And then in 5th place, we have San Jose taking 9 wins, 4 draws, and 7 losses, 31 points for them. Some upcoming matches in the MLS include today. We only have 2 games for you, but they should be 2 great games. Seattle Sounders will face the defending champions Atlanta United in Seattle today at 3.55 in the afternoon Eastern Time. And then at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 
we have the New York rivalry between the Red Bulls and NYCFC taking place in the Empire State. The top scorers in the MLS this year so far include Carlos Vela, who, yes, still remains atop of the board with 19 goals. Zlatan Ibrahimovic um, in a close second, six goals behind him, 13 goals. Josef Martinez of Atlanta United with 12 goals. Diego Rossi of LAFC with 11. And then England's very own Wayne Rooney of DC United with 10 goals. Now more on our Ohio teams in the MLS. And ladies and gentlemen, the Ohio teams in the MLS are the only two teams in the entire league who have not even reached 20 points yet. And let's start off with the misfortunes of the Columbus crew. Now since the last time we talked, the crew only had one game. And that was, or excuse me, no. The last time we talked, the crew had two games, and they were both losses, 0-2. The crew hosted Seattle on Saturday, July 6th, and lost that game 2-1. And then they went off to Orlando City, where they faced off against Orlando yesterday, and lost one to nothing. In fact, Orlando City even got a red card, which means that they were down one player for a portion of the match, and the crew, with a full squad of 11 players, still were not able to get a victory last night against Orlando City. Now, the crew remain in 11th place of the 12 places in the Eastern Conference. Hint, hint, Cincinnati fans, who do you think's in 12th place? The crew themselves, with 5 wins, 2 draws, and 14 losses on the season, only 17 points. They actually have more losses than Cincinnati. They're 14 losses compared to 13 losses for Cincinnati. And that gets me right where I want to be. Let's talk about some FC Cincinnati soccer, where you might be rather ecstatic right now, as FC Cincinnati did get a win yesterday in Chicago against the Chicago Fire. And then they also won their... Um, most previous game after that, before that one, in Cincinnati against the Houston Dynamo 3-2. So after that 7-1 thrashing on June 29th, FC Cincinnati have won two in a row and have some momentum now. They'll face DC United um, at home in Cincinnati and then host the New England Revolution as well. So good news for Cincinnati fans, a two-game homestand coming up. But in all reality, FC Cincinnati are last place in the Eastern Conference of the MLS with five wins, two draws, but a staggering 13 losses as well. For the fourth time, the United States of America are crowned champions of the world. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, your 2019 FIFA Women's World Cup champions the United States of America, a huge win, their fourth title in the nation's history. But let's get started with the third place match, which, if you may remember, in our last episode was actually happening live during the podcast 
um, the final update was England 1, Sweden 2, and that actually was what the final result turned out to be. Sweden defeated England 2 to 1 for uh, excuse me to take the bronze medal home um, on Saturday, July 6th with goals from Aslani in the 11th minute and then Jakobsen in the 22nd minute. Fran Kirby of England was able to narrow the deficit to 1 in the 31st minute. However, England were denied another goal and Sweden, the third place winners at the World Cup. However, the bigger game, the more important game, frankly the more significant game. The United States defeat the Netherlands 2-0 in the FIFA Women's World Cup final thanks to a penalty kick in the 61st minute from Captain Megan Rapino to open up the scoring and then Rose Lavelle in the 69th minute with a sensational goal. An individual moment of brilliance from Lavelle. And this has been a tournament that, and the top scorers from the World Cup include Megan Rapinoe, Alex Morgan, and Ellen White, each of those three players with six goals scored. And this has been a huge moment, not only on the soccer field for the United States, but also off the pitch, where this is more of a moment of women's equality and women's rights. And U.S. Captain Megan Rapinoe was on ESPN this week talking about what has been done and what can be done to make sure that the, more specifically, the payment gap is severely less and eventually equal for both men and women athletes. Take a listen. I think that we all have a responsibility, us as players, um, the Federation, FIFA, um, the different confederations around the world. I think everybody, like Alex was saying, if we take a collaborative approach to this and really work together to, to get the best out of everything, everyone has so much knowledge that they can bring to this conversation. I think if we all work together um, and all shoulder our own responsibility, then uh, we can make this better very quickly. And without a doubt, Megan Rapino, of course, correct on that statement, we all must collaborate. And in fact, my sister wanted me to talk about this right when the final ended, um, discuss the payment gap between men and women athletes, more specifically of the U.S. soccer team. And I actually do have some facts to back this up. Now, in March of this year, the uh, women's team sued the U.S. Soccer Federation, um, alleging gender discrimination. And here are the numbers. The lawsuit said that if the men's and women's teams both played a similar 20-game schedule of non-tournament friendlies. Now, that means both teams are going to be playing 20 games um, each at the same level. The women would be paid only 38% of what men would make. Now, explain to me how that makes any sense. If they're playing the same amount of games for the same amount of minutes, you know, with the same amount of intensity, how do the women only make 38% of what the men make? Also, more lawsuits, um, well, it's the same lawsuit, excuse me. It alleges that the Federation paid the men's team roughly four times more in bonuses for the 2014 World Cup, which was in Brazil, when the men lost in the round of 16 to Belgium, than it paid for the women's team for actually winning the entire tournament a year later in Canada. 
which makes absolutely no sense. If you're the World Cup champion, you should obviously be receiving more bonuses than the team who is eliminated in the round of 16 for crying out loud. Additionally, according to documents obtained by The Guardian, um, agreements with U.S. soccer would pay each member of the women's team about 260000 for winning a World Cup compared to more than $1.1 million for each player on the men's side. Now, this, these are obviously all disparities in the payment gap, and we actually got these here at the Cleveland Sports Show. We were able to get these um, numbers thanks to Jesse Proud of CNBC. Um, check out his article titled, Gender Pay Gap for U.S. Soccer Players is Untenable Position, Top Sports Agency, uh, Casey Wasserman says, published um, by Jesse Proud, again, of CNBC. And I want to end this section of the Cleveland Sports Show on this comment. Now, all the way back, we're going to give you a little bit of a history lesson here. When Thomas Jefferson stated in the Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable, unalienable, unalienable rights, excuse me, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, when we say that all men are created equal, I think we're going a little too far with this. When we say all men, we mean all citizens of the United States, whether man or woman. And the last time I checked, I don't think having only women get being paid 38% of what the men make, and then also women only t earning 260000 for winning a World Cup compared to $1.1 million for a, men for a male player, has any holds any value or ideal that assumes that there is equality. And that, of course, needs to change in 2019. Women got the right to vote in 1920, and almost 100 years later, there's still discussion in the pay gap. This needs to change. Now, I will end it on that statement because we have a lot more sports to talk about. It's NBA time. It's basketball time. And we had a huge blockbuster deal this week. I was actually at my radio internship in Akron when the news broke out. Verily, it was very early in the morning. The Oklahoma City and Houston Rockets, uh, who have been rivals for these last few years, have made a shocking trade. Now, after Paul George was traded to the Clippers... Russell Westbrook, yes, Russell Westbrook, who was pretty much Mr. Oklahoma City himself, was, was traded to the Houston Rockets in exchange for Chris Paul and multiple first-round picks. Now, how this helps Houston is, well, now they don't have that ridiculous contract that they gave Chris Paul um, about a season ago. But this is one of those... Ladies and gentlemen, this is one of those deals where I'm left scratching my head and I really don't know what to think about it. But I want to know what your thoughts are. Comment to me on Twitter. Um, at Nordonia Sports is my Twitter handle. My name is Darius Sethna. That's Darius spelled D-A-R-A-Y-U-S. Send me your thoughts on what you think of this Chris Paul 
and Russell Westbrook trade. Now, Russell Westbrook and James Harden will be reuniting in Houston after their stint in Oklahoma City with Kevin Durant. You remember in 2012, they actually went to the finals and faced off against the Miami Heat after taking game one, losing four in a row to LeBron James and actually giving the Heat their second title in franchise history and LeBron's first of his career. Now, what worries me a little bit about these Houston Rockets is how Russell Westbrook is going to be able to operate with the team. Now, Russell Westbrook has never been a great three-point shooter, and the Rockets are predicated on three-point shooting. This year alone, Russell Westbrook only shot about 29% from three-point range. Now, yes, he is a walking triple-double, but Harden is also, in a smaller way, a walking triple-double. And they are both very ball-dominant players. And we saw how much Russell Westbrook puts into this game, the passion that he shows. It showed that maybe some of that passion was going in the wrong direction for the Thunder. And they lost to the Portland Trailblazers in five games, if you can remember, to that insane three-pointer from Damian Lillard. I am scratching my head a little bit. You know, like I said, Russell Westbrook is not a great three-point shooter. The Rockets rely on three-point shooting, especially in the Mike D'Antoni system. Now, how this works out for the Oklahoma City Thunder, I do not see Chris Paul staying there and playing basketball in Oklahoma City. Most likely, what I think will happen is that the Thunder will buy him out and Chris Paul will sign where he desires. I've heard some rumors that the Lakers might be a possible option, but we never know. In fact, speaking of the Lakers, they actually signed Anthony Davis um, a few hours ago, so it is official. Anthony Davis is a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, more specifically, back to Oklahoma City and Chris Paul. If Chris Paul somehow makes the decision that he wants to stay in Oklahoma City, they'll be getting a quality player. 32 minutes a game last year. Averaged about 16 points, um, shot about 42% from the field, 36% from three-point re- uh, three range, with about five rebounds and eight assists as well. And Chris Paul has always been a solid defender. This past year, averaged about two steals per game. In each of his two years with the Rockets, Chris Paul also played about 58 games, as I said, averaging about a half an hour in minutes. And that was really the major news in the NBA this week. Ladies and gentlemen, like I said, I want to hear your thoughts on this James Harden and Chris and Russell Westbrook alliance now in Houston and how Chris Paul maybe will affect the Oklahoma City Thunder or do you think that he will move on to another team? Let me know on Twitter. Again, my handle is at Nordonia Sports. I am Darius, spelled D-A-R-A-Y-U-S, Sethna. And let's stick on basketball here for a couple more minutes as I want to get into some WNBA action. Our most recent game was yesterday with the Aces defeating the Washington Mystics by a final score of 85-81. to Today we have more games for you. The Los Angeles Sparks and the Dream will be facing off today at 3 p.m. The Connecticut Sun and the... Fever will face off today at 4. 
the Chicago Sky and the Wings also facing off at 4 today. The New York Liberty and Seattle Storm, the defending champs, face off at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And then the Phoenix Mercury and Minnesota Lynx or, um, will face off today at 7 Eastern Time as well. The standings for the WNBA this year include um, the first place Connecticut Sun, who are the only team in the Eastern Conference who have double-digit um, wins on the season, 10 wins and 6 losses. They're 5-3 and three, um, against their conference opponents, 7-1 and one at home, but a little shaky on the road um, at 3-5. and five. They have, um, they've played 500 basketball in their last 10 games at 5-5. Five and five. Only a half a game behind them, though, are the um, defending finalists who um, faced off in the finals last year against the um, against Seattle, which um, who are the Washington Mystics with Elena Deladon. They are nine and six, four and three at home, five and three on the road. They have lost their last three and are looking to bounce back. The Mystics' next game will be. Um, this upcoming Friday at 7 p.m. against the Fever. Now in the Western Conference, the Aces are have the most wins in the WNBA so far this year with 11 wins and 5 losses, 5-3 five and three on the road and 6-2 and two at home, 8-2 and two in their last 10 games and they've won 5 in a row. The Minnesota Lynx are two games behind them with a record of 9-7, and 5-3 and three at home, 4-4 four and four on the road, playing 500 basketball in their last 10 games, 5-5, five and five, and have lost one. And in third place, it's the Los Angeles Sparks, who are 8-7, and 4-2 at home, 4-5 and five on the road. They've won one in a row. And the one that surprises me is in fourth place, ladies and gentlemen, the defending champions, the Seattle Storm, are only 9-8. and eight. They've won one, of course. They're 5-5 five and five in their last 10, though. They're 3-5 and five on the road. And then they're also only 6-3 and three at home. For the defending champions, you would expect this to be a little bit better. Now, fans, I want to hear your thoughts and opinions on this. Should the Seattle Storm be in this position? Let me know on Twitter. Again, at Nordonia Sports. I'm Darius, spelled D-A-R-A-Y-U-S, Sethna. And that concludes our... Excuse me, no. And the top scorers in the WNBA so far this year include, include um, Brittany Greiner, who is averaging about 19 points a game. Duana Boner comes in a very close second with about 19 points a game. Tina Charles, who's played about 16 games in the season, averaging about 18 points per game. In fourth place, it's Natasha Howard, averaging about 18 points a game as well. And then in fifth place, it's Aja Wilson, who's played 16 games on the season so far, averaging about 16 points. And for our final news in basketball, the NBA Summer League is coming to an end. The final will be tomorrow, but we do have our final four for you. It's the Memphis Grizzlies and the New Orleans Pelicans. 
who will face off tonight in Las Vegas at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You can catch the game on ESPN2. And then while you're at it, just keep the channel um, of ESPN2 on because right after that game, the Brooklyn Nets and the Minnesota Timberwolves will be facing off at 8 o'clock in Las Vegas. Let's transition now to baseball, the good old American pastime, where the All-Star Game took place in Cleveland, Ohio this week at Progressive Field, home of the Indians, where the National League lost to the American League by a final score of 4-3. to This is the seventh straight win for the American League All-Star team over the National League. The American League got off to a 1-0 lead um, after the second inning. It was scoreless until the fifth, bottom of the fifth inning, where the, excuse me, no, sorry, um, until the fifth inning, where the American League tacked on another home run, where and then in the seventh inning, the, excuse me, and then in the sixth inning, the National League were able to get a run back, but then in the seventh inning, the American League um, really put it on, scoring two more runs. It was 4-1 to one at this point, but then in the eighth inning, um, the National League tacked on two more runs. However, it was all a little um, too late for the National League as the final score was 4-3. to three. Now, before we get on to more news um, specifically about the Indians, I just want to take a moment here on the Cleveland Sports Show to wish Carlos Cookie Carrasco a very um, healthy recovery. We really hope he can get back on the field soon. Um, As some of you may know, um, he was diagnosed with leukemia um, last weekend. And here at the Cleveland Sports Show, we hope that Carlos has a very um, quick and healthy recovery and can get back on the field for the Indians. And here was his response when he was asked, will he be able to play um, on the pitch um, this year? Man, I don't know. I just, I just hear, I just going to take day by day. I don't know. I don't, I don't have the answer. But uh, I'm glad they'll be here around my teammates just coming here and practice. And it's definitely awesome that Carlos has such a positive mindset and what has to be such a difficult time for him and his family. Best of luck to him and the Carrasco family for, again, a quick and healthy recovery for Carlos Carrasco. But let's get into more Indians talk and what has transpired this last weekend. 6-2 Twins, bottom nine, two outs. And the 0-2 pitch, strike three, call, ball game over. And the Twins win again. Statement weekend, statement series, statement made by the boys in blue. And that's right, ladies and gentlemen, the Minnesota Twins have dominated the Cleveland Indians in their series so far. The Twins defeating the Indians in their first matchup, which was this past Friday, by a final score of 5-3. to three. The Twins took a one to nothing lead after the first inning, and then all the way in the fourth inning, still one to nothing, the Indians actually were able to tack on three runs and had a three to one lead. But then in the seventh inning, they completely blew their lead, giving up three runs alone. 
which gave Minnesota a 4-3 lead before the Twins tacked on an additional run in the 8th inning to eventually win the game 5-3. And it didn't really get any better for the Indians in the second inning, or excuse me, in the second game either. Just like the game on Friday, in, uh, in yesterday's matchup, after the first inning, the Twins had a 1-0 lead. The Twins then had a 3-1 lead after the second inning, thanks to two runs, uh, two more runs in the second inning. It was scoreless until that seventh inning again, where the Indians were able to tack on a run, but then in the eighth inning, um, the eighth and ninth innings combined, Minnesota scored three more runs to eventually win the game 6-2. Hasn't been looking great for the Indians um, so far. They have one more game today, which will take place in about 30 minutes um, as of right now, as I am speaking. They will face off in their final matchup um, series at Progressive Field in Cleveland against the Twins. They will then have... Um, another homestand, this time a four-game homestand against the Detroit Tigers. And then, guess what? They have another homestand against the Kansas City Royals before heading north of the border, excuse me, to Canada to take on the Toronto Blue Jays. In terms of standings, the Indians are second place in the American League Central at 50 and 40, they're 6 and 4 in their last 10, 25 and 20 on the road, 25 and 20 at home. They're seven and a half games behind the first place Twins in the American League Central uh, Division. The Twins themselves are at 58 and 33, um, at about 64 percent winning percentage, 28 and 15 on, at home, and 30 and 18 on the road. Really looking amazing. So far this year, the Yankees lead the American League East with the Tampa Bay Rays in a close second. Um, in the American League West, it is the Houston Astros, the champions from 2017, um, in first place. The Athletics are six games behind them. In the National League, the Braves and the Nationals are the top two teams in the division. In the National League Central, the Chicago Cubs and the Milwaukee Brewers in a close draw as well. Milwaukee is only one and a half games behind Chicago. And in the National League West, the Los Angeles Dodgers, um, who fell short to the hands of the Boston Red Sox um, last, in last year's World Series, are 61-33, and 37-12 at home, 24-21 on the road though they're five and five in their last ten and the Arizona Diamondbacks come in second at 47 and 46 five and five in their last ten and that will conclude our show this weekend um, for the Cleveland Sports Show ladies and gentlemen I do have some big news before um, we end the show today I have been working on putting my podcasts on iTunes, so hopefully um, soon, very soon, you will be able to access the Cleveland Sports Show via iTunes. And also, I want to let you know, if you haven't yet, make sure you head on to NordoniaHills.News 
as we've had a lot going on in these last few weeks. I don't want to give you any spoilers or surprises, so make sure you head on there and check out all the awesome stuff that has been going on. And as always, if you didn't hear in the show, check out my Twitter account. I've been posting um, a lot of new information, um, especially with the Women's World Cup coming to a close. You can check out my Twitter account. My handle is at Nordonia Sports. I am Darius Sethna. That's Darius spelled D-A-R-A-Y-U-S. And until next time, ladies and gentlemen, have a terrific week, and we will see you next time for another episode of the Cleveland Sports Show. Take care, everyone.